let's try that again. Uh, <clears throat> as some of you are aware, um, I spoke yesterday morning about the hindrances and my intention is to offer some further reflections on, on that theme. And um, so before I sort of get into that, I wanted to share an experience I had this morning which felt like uh, something I wanted to share with you um, by way of, of dedicating the, the talk and dedicating my practice and for you, if you wish. Whereas this morning I was up early sitting in the dark, as we often do at this time of the year. And, uh, yeah. And then at some point, you know, opening the eyes and realizing they'd have got light and... And then I was walking, as I often do, reflecting, beginning to reflect on the theme. And I, I looked out of the window and there were two deer sitting in the snow right outside. And it was such a, was such a beautiful moment and such a sort of waking up moment for me, I think. You know, I'd been a little bit in that quite internal sort of, sort of, you know, me and my meditation, you know, and <laughs> or me and this hindrance, this blooming hindrance talk. Uh, <laughs> see, which hindrance is present there? Can you spot it? Mindfulness of hindrances externally. Sometimes they're more clear than our own, isn't it? But, yeah. And there was something about that, like just, you know, these beautiful creatures just sitting there quietly in the little snow sort of holes that they'd made for themselves. And I'm guessing they'd been sitting there all night and they're just very quietly just sitting and sort of, they were, look, they were both looking that way, I don't know. But, and I had this sort of very strong sense of love for them and a real wish to... Uh, dedicate my practice to those two dear. And so I, um, you know, may our practice be for our own benefit and also for the benefit of other creatures, other humans and other creatures. And maybe I'm thinking particularly of these two animals, um, Maybe you could think of some particular being or beings that you would like to offer to share in the in the benefit of our practice of our time together. And um, also feels very important to me. I think sometimes in that a moment like that, a sense of really wanting the practice to be offered, you know, to be for the benefit of all and or not just as a, a good idea or something or, you know, it sounds good or <laughs> you should or anything like that, but just a very natural sort of natural wish, you know, natural sort of wish for, for that and how considering the hindrances, these, these, oops, um, 
these ways in which, or some of the ways in which, you know, the more un- unfortunate aspects of human human mind, greed, hatred, and delusion, sort of sum, sum them up pretty well. You know, how rampant these forces are in our world. There's such destructive forces when they are not known and moderated and restrained and when that energy is not clearly understood and held and redirected. So it also feels like when we, you know, when we're working with uh, these hindering, obscuring forces in our own mind, in this mind that we're sitting on retreat with, that we're experiencing very intimately in the way that we do when we put down a lot of the doing and the busyness and just sort of sensing at times, you know, the mind can be so quiet and so cleaned out and so purified and so beautiful, you know, just that that happens, that we probably all, we wouldn't be here if we hadn't had that experience. And yet also the, the pervasiveness and the, and the sort of... Um, sort of this sense of almost, sometimes I almost feel like I'm living a life of multiple hindrance attack, you know, with short gaps. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not quite that bad, but um, I guess also the sensitivity, the sensitivity of meditation is <coughs> makes, makes you more aware of these, of, these, of these qualities, of these mental factors, these, these energies which again, I'm sure you've all heard teachings on many times, and how, how, as I said yesterday, they continue to be our companions on the path. Or one teacher called them sparring partners, you know, these different images. Um, sometimes I think, I, I feel uh, the wish to give a talk on these things as a way of almost kind of, um, more fully acknowledging that th- this is part of our experience. I almost feel like putting a whole big posters of demons all over the walls or something, you know how they do in some Buddhist traditions, to just say, yes, oh, here they are. You know, they're not all out there and, you know, conveniently in someone else's mind. Yes, so do. I'm, I don't have that sort of thing, no. I'm English. <laughs> yeah, <it's... laughs> oh dear, yeah. Ah, oh, here it is. Here they are. Here they are. So it's embarrassing, but here they are. <laughs> um. So, and as you well know, you know, and this is something I I think I always feel I want to re-remind myself, you know, very, very often, and you, is is, is that that when we can know these, when we can recognize them, when we can really understand, learn how they arise, recognizing them, knowing their absence, kind of learning how to, I came up with these three words about how skillful practice can ameliorate, it's ameliorative, that's a word, um, you know, moderate, make it a bit less painful, 
right? Kind of, it can be curative, right? It can actually make the illness go away, and it can be preventative, like a, an inoculation. Right? So skillful practice with these energies, with these forces of the hindrances, then actually, yeah, we're we're, we're growing the capacity to be to be could say freer of them. And for the energy, the energy that gets caught up in them, to be to be free, to be more available for for life, for liberation, for love. So I wanted to share a quote that I love from um, Thich Nhat Hanh of the the principle involved here, the principle of of, of the transformative. Uh, capacity of a practice of meeting what is difficult, what is unwholesome, skillfully. It's like that that right there is the very place of liberation, the place of of uh, amelioration, cure or anyway, inoculation, you get the idea. So Tiknat Han, if we are aware of the paradise around us It is because we have tasted suffering and we have learned how to practice with it and how to transform it into happiness. So the next time we're really, really caught in a a great big storm of irritation and criticism of everybody and ourselves and, you know, just remembering, ah, there's, there's... this is energy that can be, if it's met skillfully, can be, can be, can be transformed into happiness. Yeah. So, um, before I go on, I thought I would just share and read for us the teaching of the Buddha. So, I'm going to read from the, the Satipatthana Sutta and just for you to receive here and then I'll go on and make a few more few more comments. I will I'm going to change some words in the service of uh, inclusion. So how practitioners does a practitioner dwell contemplating phenomena in phenomena? Here a practitioner dwells contemplating phenomena in phenomena in terms of the five hindrances. And how does a a practitioner dwell contemplating phenomena in phenomena in terms of the five hindrances? Here, when there is sensual desire in them, a practitioner understands there is sensual desire in me. Or when there is no sensual desire in them, they understand there is no sensual desire in me. And they also understand how unarisen sensual desire rises and how arisen sensual desire is abandoned and how abandoned sensual desire does not arise again in the future. When there is ill will, when there is dullness and drowsiness, when there is restlessness and remorse, when there is doubt, a practitioner understands there is doubt in me. Or when there is no doubt, they understand there is no doubt in me. 
and they also understand how the unarisen doubt arises and how arisen doubt is abandoned and how abandoned doubt does not arise again in the future. And then the, the last part, um, the, just the refrain. In this way, the practitioner dwells contemplating phenomena in phenomena internally. Or they dwell contemplating phenomena in phenomena externally. Or they dwell contemplating phenomena in phenomena both and internally and externally. Or else they dwell contemplating in phenomena their nature of arising. Or they dwell contemplating in phenomena their nature of vanishing. Or they dwell contemplating in phenomena their nature of both arising or and vanishing. Or else, mindfulness that there are phenomena is simply established to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and repeated mindfulness. And the practitioner dwells independent, not clinging to anything in the world. So, as I was pointing to yesterday, this sense of can we know and recognize these uh, particular qualities in our experience, to know how it feels, to be able to recognize it's it's like you you have the the idea or the word or the term but to actually know how it feels and how it it registers the signs in our own own body mind yeah so knowing the presence of that and being able to meet that in a a non-judgmental or non-reactive way which seems to be the the um, the key shift with this isn't isn't is this sense of the um, right there that shift from being in or or kind of being being um, feels like sometimes yeah being identified with or being sort of run away with or kidnapped by a, a version or sense desire or one of these one of these others and then that shift to awareness that shift to knowing it as that a shift to ah this is a version this is and being able sometimes maybe there's a it feels a bit more complex than that it feels like it's 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 not that simple but to even be able to pull out one of these strands or be able to just see one, that's one aspect or one facet of what's going on. And then being able to, like if you, you have that experience sometimes where 
you're not sure what's happening, but you just know you're upset and you know you don't like it. <laughs> like, this, you know, just hindrance. Yeah. And how, but there, right there, you can, you can start to have that um, skillfulness of, of, of locating or uh, hmm, um, sensing the aversion itself. So this is this is so so important, isn't it? I I've been practicing a bit with this this week with noticing so you have an unpleasant sensation or an unpleasant thought or yeah whatever whatever that sort of contact that sometimes we notice yeah sometimes very habituated and then there's a sense of the almost have sometimes I have to look for the aversion because it just feels like there's just this unpleasant object and that's it's just it's like the unpleasantness is in that it's in that experience it's in the sensation it's in the in the sight or the the hearing right and they're like that kind of shift or that sort of almost like a set set kind of coming back a bit and saying ah it's not. It, it's. 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 There's aversion in the mind. Where? Where is that? What is that? And that's actually what's, um, in a way, cr- creating the the problem, the the hindrance. Right. So you have that. Again, it, you might see it as that. Um, as that link and dependent origination between feeling and craving, and then then the gears engage and suffering begins, and you. You can feel that possibility of beginning to sense that aversion itself can be even just in, in, in noticing it. And again, that steady, just knowing aversion as aversion. This really struck me when I was looking at the sutta this time of, of this is aversion. You know, like you can say that, that there is a body. Right, all through the, with the different foundations of mindfulness, to be able to name it again in in its sort of in in a simple direct way. Very 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 powerful. Sometimes maybe that's all that's really that's really needed. But because the experience of the hindrances is, is generally has some unpleasantness to it, we probably have to go through that again and again and again, a training in that sort of steady, steady, steadying, steadying, non-reactive, finding, sort of gradually finding that non-reactivity to the reactivity. It's quite, quite delicate, quite elusive sometimes maybe. So I want to share um, something from Biko Inalio about this. He said, such practice requires an ability to face the presence of a hindrance in one's own mind without immediately reacting to it by trying to push it away, mistakenly believing that true meditation only takes place in the the absence of any defilement. Much to the contrary, really transformative meditation takes place in precisely those moments in which the presence of a hindrance is honestly recognized and made the object of one's awareness. And then um, 
as I was mentioning this morning, also the Buddha points to this um, practice of noticing when the when the hindrance is absent and the importance of that for a number of different reasons perhaps of 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 seeing it coming and going seeing then that that kind of highlights its non-inherent nature it's it's non-solid nature it's not fixed it's not always you know happening it it, it there is a there is a, a dynamic it comes and goes and that when it's not there what's there instead this is really wonderful I I think um, I'm just remembering an experience I sometimes share in talks so I'll I'll share it hopefully it might be helpful it's a kind of slightly dramatic example of this some years ago on retreat at Gaia House in England and no actually I wasn't on retreat I think I was working there I think it was when I was on staff anyway I was very upset, very, very caught up, caught up in some hindrance bonanza, um, hindrance fest. Yeah, they were all going, I think. And, um, you know, but we all have our own flavours, don't we? We all have our own. And, and, and mine, not so much now, but it's getting a bit better. But it's just like, you know, I'm terrible, my life's terrible, I don't know, you know, it's all hopeless, that kind of, kind of hindrance, full-blown. And we're walking along with a friend who was very generously and patiently <laughs> not telling me to shut up and um, listening. And then we walk past a gate where my, my favourite dog, she's now passed on, bless her, Polly, um, lived. And, and, I just, and I just turned and I, I saw Polly and my heart, my heart just opened with love. <laughs> it was just like the hindrances were gone all the, all the, you know, all that was just gone. And for a few moments, I was just pouring this love through the gate, you know, to my beloved Polly. And then, like, a couple of moments later, I was back to the misery, you know, pouring out the misery to my friend. And fortunately, she had the wisdom to point out what had happened. <laughs> because I, I'm not sure I would have noticed. And that that was such a huge teaching for me, and I think was... Now, maybe you've had experiences with that where the, that it, it was like, oh, it isn't solid, it isn't continuous, it isn't. Even some of these things which feel very ingrained, very pervasive, you know, very habituated, um, they, have these, they have these gaps, they have the, they have, they're not there all the time. So um, we might look for different different signs maybe clues about the presence of a of a hindrance you know and they're not always as obvious as that one in a story and the buddha gives these wonderful similes so i would like to share these similes with you i think they they're very helpful perhaps with the more subtle the subtle ways that these energies these um, these factors can 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 be present in the mind without us realizing, and also give these images give us a sense of again what 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 it's like uh, what the absence or the ending of that hindrance is like. 
you probably know these. Um, so with sense desire, it's likened um, to water that's filled with dye, some kind of you know colored dye. So you look through the water, or you know, and everything is sort of tinted. Um, so if you if you have um, actually, I'm thinking of the um, container with the water in the library. There's a I don't know. This is slightly sorry. I hope the Buddha will forgive me for slightly veering away here. But there's a, a little pink um, water jug. You might have noticed it on the table in the library, and the water looks pink, but it's not because. But the container is pink, isn't it like that? You know, you look through it. I think advertising people are very, very good on this one. Yeah, they know how to make everything look pink. And then, you know, sometimes there's there's one of there's a water jug in there that's yellow. It makes the water look yellow. Which when I first like, ooh, you know, it's, I don't know about my water looking yellow. I think I prefer it looking pink. So this way that, that sense desire makes things look, you know, like all wonderful and glowing and got fairy dust on them. And, you know, if you look cl- closer, like now some of you may have failing eyesight like I do. And, um, you know, sometimes I should do this more probably with food. If you ever, if you... Put your glasses on and really, really look at what you're eating. Like, you know, the most yummy thing in the world, like macaroni cheese or something, is one of mine. And if you really, really look at it, if I put, I just like, oh dear, I should probably eat with my glasses on more often because it can really kind of cut through that sense of, you know, kind of heavenly yumminess. It's just, because, oh dear, there's this sort of squidgy, Gooey, greasy, kind of, oh dear, that's, that's like. <laughs> so maybe I should get some pink glasses. Look at my macaroni cheese. Here we go. So, um, the other simile for being freed from it is like being freed from debt. Um, and this is, yeah, it's like, I don't know if you've ever been in debt. It's horrible. It can be. Just being and then being being freed from that, how good that feels. <sighs> Unburdened. So perhaps you've had that experience where you've really wanted something or something has looked and then somehow the you know, the wish for it, the sense of it being this really, really desirable thing has sort of passed and you think, blimey, what was all that about? I'm so glad I didn't buy that. That would have been $200 down the drain. But, you know, for whatever it was, two weeks, two days, it looked like the absolute, you know, most wonderful thing you've ever seen. Very, very, yeah, so just so many ways. And obviously, yeah, many, many ways we can notice that, both with the, through the five senses and also the mind door those extraordinarily attractive fantasies. Very, very seductive. So the similes for aversion or ill will, 
like water boiling. So, you know, that sense of can't, can't see clearly when there's irritation or all those different forms that aversion can take. That you can't see, can't see clearly. Like in, the, in another sutta, there's this image of you can't see the reflection of, of, your, of your face clearly because the, 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 the water is boiling. You can't see. And yeah, I think, and then subtler, subtler levels, probably you feel that, like it's, um, the aversion impedes that sense of being able to really see clearly what's there. And the other simile is, so to, for the, when it, when that aversion is uh, absent, it's like recovering from an illness. Yeah. So sloth and torpor is likened to water with algae in it. Yeah, that kind of feeling we've probably all had at times, and again, we probably all have our tendencies. Yeah, the mind feeling just all bunged up with algae. And the other simile is that being free of that sloth and torpor is like being freed from prison. So again, there's something about appreciating the absence, appreciating that not being there. Restlessness and worry, or restlessness and remorse, like water with waves, again, can't see. And being free, being that, being being absent or having gone, is like being freed from servitude. And the last one, doubt, like muddy water in a dark place. I think that's one way I've seen it described. And the other simile for having sort of recovered from from that or its absence is like having safely crossed a dangerous desert. And I think, yeah, sometimes when we when we when we can when we can feel the, the, the suffering that's involved in um, being caught up in these kinds of, of energies and then really appreciate, really appreciate the, their absence. Again, so what's there, what's there instead when the mind is really clear of these, maybe much quieter, more subtle, more a sense of ease, calm, not much happening. Maybe we can begin to enjoy that sense of not much happening, you know, and that sense of, as that happens at times, doesn't it, of the, a sort of quietness of mind. I had this image, it came to me yesterday, I'll share it, I was like, we all gather here for a party that is not going to happen. And I was like, isn't that great? It's like, we're all here and nothing. It's like for this party that's not going to happen. Yay! (laughs) Yeah. So maybe, you know, again, those times when the hindrances are in abeyance, we can enjoy the party that is not happening. Yeah, so, gosh, um, 
So another, I mean, yeah, many, many things that help with this knowing, recognizing, um, and seeing, seeing with wisdom, seeing, and partly in the way the Buddha is pointing to, of what, what's it like when you, if you're feeling some degree of disturbance or whatever kind, and you just make that shift to say, to sort of see it as if it was just human energy, I sometimes think of it, or just sensation, it's just that. It's not, it's not me and my big problem or me and my pattern I've had all my life and I'm never going to be able to get rid of it. <laughs> what if we just don't do that bit? What if it's really just something, this, ah, oh, oh, okay. And to see, because sometimes I feel that can, it doesn't exactly, it's not the magic wand necessarily, but it can really, again, that, just that shift, like the shift to awareness, the shift to seeing as just, yeah, human energy, something changing, something insubstantial, or as the Buddha was saying, you know, this, this is phenomena, or this, these are phenomena, like, was that most personal, it's like the most intimate thing you can imagine, you know, me and my particular form of, 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 of anxiety or something. I've lived with all my life. Here it is. And then like, what if you just, oh, um, yeah, it's just that. Oh. can't be that simple about it so that to me that's a very radical kind of moment of the space I say it's like this you know that wonderful teaching from I think Ajahn Sumedho but with sometimes again that shift of oh it's just this and how again not to dismiss not to disrespect not to um yeah, anything like that, but like, oh, knowing it as phenomena. Maybe it's unpleasant, but maybe actually even that unpleasantness is something that's so generated and constructed and created and fabricated and kept going and built up by the reactivity and the story and the, I've always had this and I'm always going. It's like, if you what, what happens if you stop waving your hands around? Like I know I wave my hands around a lot. If I, like, what if I couldn't wave my hands around anymore? Could I still be me? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a silly example, but... You know, that, that sort of itch urge to... to, to um, yeah, it, which again is not... It's a reflex, isn't it? It's not something... It's just... But if you just don't... <laughs> then where are you? So again, this maybe certain kind of freedom that's much more sort of, ah, you know, available. And, you know, we don't have to spend centuries trying to dig all this stuff out of a really, really, really big hole that never ends. So I want to share just um, another couple of things. I found this a very... some teacher, Ajahn Suchito, very influential for me. 
he he wrote hindrances are involuntary reflexes that arise through distorted cognition seeing things as mine that aren't expecting things to be satisfying when they aren't and reacting with fear, aggression, grasping or numbing to counteract the resulting confusion. So I just want to pick out a couple of things from that. So this I find very helpful, a sense of the hindrance as an involuntary reflex. It's like it's not something I'm doing. It's something that happens and then the sense of self gets attached to it, right? I'm doing it or it's happening to me. It's just like it's just an involuntary reflex. I was talking to one of you about this almost sort of instinctive level of these things. Yeah. So there's so arising through distorted cognition. So this is avijja, isn't it? This is ignorance at its one of its most basic levels. That that could there be could there be a hindrance if there wasn't a way of seeing if we weren't seeing in some way if we weren't seeing things as mine could we here's an experiment right can you generate a hindrance without a bit of me in mine go and have a go see if it's possible <laughs> expecting things to be satisfying when they aren't you know and again that sort of just basic kind of sort of insistent bit of avijja can can you again can you can you really generate any any sense desire if you really know that things are not able to satisfy and it's like it's really really hard it's like yeah seeing the macaroni cheese with your glasses on sorry yeah sense desire has got nearly as much hope or yeah, and then reacting with fear, aggression, and grasping if we, out of the confusion, because it's like, that seems like we spend so much time being confused because of this avijja, right? I, I, I'm trying to get, I'm, try, I'm trying to get, and I can't, and, um, and, and that's so confusing. So isn't that what I, I, I'm supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be getting that for me. Why isn't it working? Because because that is almost like 99% delusion. <laughs> That's why it's not working. It doesn't work. Because the, the, the I, the me, the mine is not... Uh, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a, something that happens, isn't it? But it doesn't have the reality that we that we give it or that we think it has that we yeah so um, I hope there's something useful in all of this (laughs) wise friends and suitable conversation you know I'm very aware of like trying to be a wise friend and have suitable conversation with you to support you with your hindrances or other stuff and and how the, the the discussion group on Thursdays is sometimes the most wonderful support and how sometimes maybe that's that's really necessary. It's really necessary to have have um, that help to help us see, to help us see and understand, 
and um, to encourage each other to to see, to know, to recognize these these very powerful forces in our minds and in our world so that we can uh, really learn to understand them and learn how to relate wisely to them, get free of their of their grip and begin to understand what life feels like when they are yeah, when we're free of them when they when they when they're when they're not happening um, and um, I want to close by sharing a teaching from um Gil Fronstahl, I hope I'm saying his name right, I've never met him, but which I'll put on the board, so if you want to check it out, I think it's a really beautiful um, example of how uh, a kind of practice structure that we can use with, with um, these difficult, the difficult energies in the mind. And it's an acronym, it spells an acronym, um, Bella, B-E-L-L-A, which is beautiful in Italian, if you didn't know. Um, and he says, this acronym describes the mind that is revealed when the hindrances are overcome and mindfulness becomes strong. So B, when a hindrance appears, it is useful first to let it be, not acting on it or reacting to it. And then E, examine, examine it. Exploring the hindrance means recognizing its components, its energetic, emotional, cognitive and motivational aspects. It involves recognizing its absence and learning how it, how it arises, how it is removed and how it can be prevented from re-arising. L, lessen, lessen its intensity Relaxing the body and the mind. Directing the attention to something calming. And then the second L, let go. When it can be let go. And then lastly, A, appreciate its absence. Unhindered attention is a treasure. To be present without being hijacked by the hindrances is a joy. So, thank you for your attention. So let's um, finish our time together by chanting the reflection on the sharing of blessings which is on the other side of the sheet. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.